three, two, one. This is the Insiders Podcast. The only way to absolutely guarantee that there are 10 milligrams or that the milligrams are exactly what you're conveying without the tolerance is by literally infusing each and every one individual. Today, Chef Jordan Wagman joins me to talk about his life in the kitchen and how cannabis has always played a big part in his personal and professional life. If you don't know Jordan already, he's not only a fabulous chef, he's an author, a podcaster, a father, and so much more. Super cool guy. I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. Welcome to the Insiders Podcast. Anytime I ask a doctor, I always say, since you're a proponent mm-hmm. of medical cannabis, how do other doctors feel about you doing that? When you talk to other chefs, any blowback ever? Never, never. And and being, you know, 49 years old, having been in the business for 30 years yep. and, you know, some of the things that I've done in my career validates me as a chef. First and foremost, I am a chef. And, you know, cannabis is just another great ingredient. Like I use fresh herbs, like I use avocado oil, like I use cacao. It's just a healthy addition to the food stuff that I make. Well, if you look at it from that perspective, it's a plant, right? But I mean, it is intoxicating, arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not cooking, say, with alcohol in a manner that could make somebody drunk, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is that element to it where, let's say there's no THC in cannabis. Would you even bother putting it in anything? Yeah, absolutely. When when you come for, like I offer 15 course meals. So my experiences are very, very different than anyone's probably on the continent. So it's 15 courses. Only six of those will have THC. The balance will have CBD and other parts of the plant. You know, we touched on terpenes off, you know, just b- before we started. And, you know, and even the, the use of raw flour, which can bring some acidity and some real floral notes. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really trying to create, I mean, what everybody talks about this entourage effect, I just want to use the whole plant plant, right? Just like I would, you know, I don't want to throw away the seeds of a, of a pepper. I want to do something with those seeds. You know, you're, you're always trying to utilize the product as best you can. You cooked in uh, a variety of kitchens in the U.S. for a number of years, I saw in your bio. I guess cannabis culture in kitchens is pretty common. Would you say that? I would say drugs in general. I would say alcohol. I would say everything that, you know, allows people to release and, and recover. Um, and, and really mm-hmm. remember that, you know, I wouldn't liken it to war, but it is certainly, you know, behind the line. And, you know, when you're quote unquote in the weeds and you've got all these chits piled up and you got to get out of the weeds, that's, that's like a high you've never felt before. Um, but in order to come down at night, yeah. you know, after that, and that's a like midnight, one o'clock could be two o'clock in the morning. You're going out, you're drinking. Yeah. You're going out. I mean, you know, drugs were certainly prevalent and and cannabis was always something that everyone did. Yeah. Obviously not as accepting back then as it is today, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly prevalent for sure. What about consuming it while you're working? Back then, mm-hmm. I used to, so it's really funny that you're asking because you know, I've had psoriasis my whole life. My brother who lives in the U.S. said, Jordan, like, you have been, you are one of the originals. Like, you have been telling our family, I'm going to smoke this joint or I'm going to leave work. And I did all the time. Yeah. I was the chef of this hotel in Colorado in, in 2002, 2001, 2000, whatever it was. And I used to go home at lunch, right? I'd go at nine o'clock in the morning or whatever, I oversee breakfast. Then you're going home at lunch, smoking a joint. And it was always just to allow me to get through the day. Yeah. A psoriasis was 
brutal. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it was not, it was frowned upon. Yeah. I, I did it on the DL without question. Now, you know, with a medical license, I can stand outside my car at the office, you know, if, if, if that's really what it comes down to. Hmm. Well, I guess in your case, um, whether it was official or not, I guess arguably it was for medical reasons too. And then there's a different way to look at it in the workplace, I suppose. You weren't just trying to get blasted. No, no, I wasn't. But also, I mean, you know, you have to also appreciate that you're using slicers and knives and lots of things and heat and, you know, lots of things that you really need to be somewhat in tune about your senses and, (laughs) you know, and being able to react, you Mm -hmm. know, in due course. Uh, Just staying organized itself, I guess, is something that you need to be able to do. And if if you're pretty wasted off a big fat joint and you've got, you know, 12 chits in front of you and people are spending hundreds of dollars on dinner. You don't want to screw that up. No. And, and, but I refer to myself as a high functioning pothead. So okay. I can meet with CEOs of companies. Like, you know, I, I am taking cannabis oil from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to sleep. Oh. Uh, that's not always THC. It's a, a lot of the time it's CBD, mm-hmm. but I will take it from, from, you know, from morning till I go to sleep. You know, at night, and it's not about the psychoactive, you know, impact necessarily. It's it's about keeping my inflammation in check, so that when I wake up the next day, my psoriasis is relatively, you know, the same as when I went to sleep. Otherwise, it can flare overnight. You know, depending on what I'm eating throughout the day. As a chef, when did you go from you know a consumer of weed to somebody who said, "I'm going to start experimenting with incorporating weed into my cooking." I've done this for a long time, but I call it the cannabis closet. I only came out of the cannabis closet when it came um, legal Mm -hmm. because I couldn't, you know, by way of, you know, I've had two careers up until very recently, Mm. but I didn't want to, you know, because there is this stigma. So I didn't want to necessarily do something and associate with it and have my children be questioned you know, why is your father doing this until it was legal? Right. But I've been doing it for quite some time. I mean, making my own food stuff, making my own edibles for a long time. Can you generalize the way in which you would add uh, cannabis or infuse food? Is it generally done with a type of butter or does it depend on the dish? Great question. I'm completely gluten, dairy, and refined sugar-free. Okay. So there's no butter, there's no gluten, there's no, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no dairy, there's no sugar, there's no crap in anything that I'm, that I'm creating, which is why I've, you know, people who are suffering with autoimmune diseases and things that are really uh, resulting from the overall inflammation in our bodies, this diet resonates with them. It's an anti-inflammatory diet. But specifically, I will use oils. If I'm using oils, and I love using oils, I will emulsify it into a cooled down mixture. Mm. So let me give you a a real world um, example. I make fruit leather all the time. Okay. There's, you know, infused fruit leather. It's not brain surgery. And the, 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 the recipe has been, you know, widely distributed, but you, you combine maple syrup and blueberries and you cover the pot. As soon as the blueberries start to split mm-hmm. and, and, and all the juice has been sort of drawn out, you cool it down because you don't really want to be adding the cannabis to a very hot liquid. So I cool it down, I puree it, and as you're pureeing it, that creates that emulsification where the oil is now spread out and suspended basically in in all the blueberry. Okay, so it becomes a homogenous mixture. And then I'll spread it out. But I will do that with a tomato sauce. I'll do it with a brownie mixture. 
but I will always, the majority of the time, I will infuse an oil or whatever the cannabis product is into my food stuff when it's cooled down. Do you have to cook the cannabis first? You do, right? So the decarbing, absolutely, before you're doing the infusion. Yeah. But because I, and I, and I know, you know, Jeff 420 Chef in, in Cali, I know that he has something. He's a friend of mine. He's got something that he offers that you, it teaches you how to decarb, you know, decarboxylate your pot, which you're converting the THCA to THC, that creates, you know, that will give you the psychoactive effect. Yeah. You're infusing that into me, coconut oil, but I can't serve that to you. I can't serve that to paying clients yeah. because I can't guarantee the THC content. So when I have something or when I'm serving something, I have supply chain that I depend upon that when they tell me it's, you know, it's chain of custody. They're telling me that this is the exact you know, milligrams per milliliter. That way I can convey that to my paying customers and ensure that repeatable experience that I'm trying to create for everyone. When it comes to cooking with weed, it always seems like dose is like the black art. You know, I've spoken to a variety of different people who have done desserts and things, and I would say, how do you know? How do you know that this is two milligrams compared to 10 or, or 100? And it's always like, well, there's a science behind it. There's a math behind it, but no one's ever really been able to explain it to me on easy terms. How do you about doing that? Yeah, it's really simple. Um, and I, I can definitely explain it. But, you know, it's, um, I microdose everything. So I don't subscribe to 25 or 30 milligrams or 500 milligrams. I don't subscribe to that. Okay. The reason being, I, I want I, I want to eliminate the barriers of entry into this world for people that are, you know, this is their first foray. So I offer two to three milligrams, but it's really simple. Mm -hmm. You know, let's just use simple math. If I'm creating something that has with an oil that has 20 milligrams per milliliter and I'm using one teaspoon, which is five milliliters, well, that's a hundred milligrams. Okay. hundred yeah. milligrams in the total recipe. Let's use the fruit leather example. Mm -hmm. We all know what fruit roll-ups are, fruit leather. If you're getting 10 strips and you're rolling them up, well, so now you've got 10 milligrams. You've got the hundred mm -hmm. divided by the yield of 10 is 10 milligrams. Now, are you guaranteeing that there are 10 milligrams in that strip? No, of course not. If there's a plus or minus tolerance, like in all the edibles that are, that are produced, yeah. right? There's a plus and minus. The only way to absolutely guarantee that there are 10 milligrams or that the milligrams are exactly what you what what you're conveying yeah. without the tolerance is by literally infusing each and every one individual Oh. Well, how would I do that creating, you know, fruit leather, for example? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense from a culinary standpoint. It doesn't make sense from a cost standpoint, a time standpoint. So you you go back to creating that homogenous mixture right? Where you're infusing that oil into the blueberries, you're spreading it all out. That's how you're ensuring that um, if you were just whisking it, for example, yeah. it wouldn't spread out. It wouldn't create that emulsification that you're looking for, right? Which really helps to guarantee that what you're saying is actually in there. So it's it would be the 100 milligrams divided by 10. Any of the black market stuff or the legacy market stuff that I've tried, some of the gummies and things, I always find it can be case by case. They can be close. If it says it's five milligrams, most of the time I'm like, yeah, it feels like around five, but I've noticed sometimes a little higher, a little lower, depending. And they probably run into the same obstacles. For sure. For sure they do. But here's what I would say. And I don't play a doctor on TV. I do speak <laughs> about this 
often. Yeah. <laughs> I speak about this point often, but you know, I don't add sugar to anything. So because I don't add sugar and the gummies that we are all used to buying on the, you know, legal and, and, and black market yeah. are all filled with sugar. Yeah. Sugar isn't great for us. And so for me, I believe, and I need people to tell me who are much smarter than me, that this is that, you know, my hypothesis is true. Yeah. But I believe because there's so much sugar in it, it causes this barrier to absorption. With my gummies, with my edibles, there's nothing creating that barrier to absorption. So the two milligrams or three milligrams, I don't care if you've eaten a hundred at a time, yeah. they're all coming to my house. They're all coming to my restaurant and they're feeling that. Ah. Every last person. Have you ever noticed a difference between cultivars when you're cooking with cannabis? Like, does it make a difference to have a heavy indica compared to, you know, if you're just going to stereotype some yeah. sativa that might be light and fluffier if you were to smoke it? Does that make a difference when you're cooking with it? Very little. Okay. I offer 15 course meals, mm -hmm. whether you want it infused or not. The only difference between those experiences is the price point. That's the only difference now. And obviously the cannabis experience in and of itself, but the only difference is the price point mm. because the food itself is exactly the same. My chicken kale meatballs with cherry tomato sauce, there's four ingredients in the entire, you know, two recipes that, that, you know, that create that. That's because it's all about cooking. It's all about creating food. It's all about when you come over, I don't want you to leave only saying that was the best meal I've ever had. Mm -hmm. I want you to leave saying that was the best meal I've ever had. And holy shit, did I learn a lot. Hey, I know that CBD is not water soluble, so I guess it has some obstacles when it comes to cooking, but have you ever cooked with CBD specifically? I am using a lot of CBD. There's a company in the US, and this is when I first started buying it. Mm. Um, there's a company in Vermont that I absolutely love. And so I was using a ton of CBD. Listen, I do like, um, I like isolates. I really do. Um, I love the water soluble uh, options that are now available. Yeah. Offer no additional flavor profile, which is important when you're trying to create a cannabis beverage or any beverage at all, right? No one wants that sort of background, mm. sort of tacky flavoring, you know, or really it's a resiny flavor when it's a really deep cannabis. And mine, this CBD oil um, that I used to use was 40 milligrams per milliliter. So it was just, it was really strong. But yeah, I do love it. I, lo I love experimenting with, with, with the entire plant. Nice. Now I want to move into your uh, podcast that you recently launched, but I want to start off by asking you more about the videos you were doing on Instagram for a uh, number of years now. Firstly, those were all live, right? All live. Ooh, that's tough, man. So what inspired you to start with uh, Instagram live interviews and videos? I mean, it was really all about trying to help my friends and uh, prop up, you know, trying to put them in the limelight and yeah. leverage whatever, you know, whatever my audience was on any platform, really just trying to put them out there and put the, you know, put the spotlight on them and their products and their restaurants. Yeah. And, you know, what are you doing and how can we support you as a community? But what I loved so much about it was, you know, I had a friend in Toronto. She's incredible, Lita Solomon. So she's on the Food Network and she has an Italian restaurant called Tutumati. And yeah. she came on the show and I sang, you know, as an intro song, uh, Night, Night at an Italian Restaurant by Billy Joel. So I really, I always did an intro song for everyone. Yeah. As you were saying offline, you know, the art of, t of creating incredible content like you do is really capturing people's attention really quickly. Yeah. Live music tends to do that. So that was a lot of fun. And um, I really tried to 
learn how to properly interview people mm. and and shine the light on them because oftentimes I'm I'm doing this I'm on, I'm on this side of it and I'm having a conversation explaining you know Jordan Wagman and I, I'm tired of talking about Jordan Wagman. I love talking about you I love talking about everyone else and so I've I, I've with my you know with my my team of amazing people and you know Jess Moran and my my partner Rebecca Shapiro like we all decided it needs to become a podcast yeah okay and and so I'm loving it it's called in the weeds we've we've recorded four episodes um, with some really incredible guests. It's a food first podcast, you know, so it explores everything to do with hospitality and, 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 you know, CPG products and, you know, just retail and cannabis and, and really absolutely and health and wellness is a big part of it. Uh, so I'm really, I'm really excited about it. And the music component was me. I created my own jingle. Mm. And so I wrote a song uh, called in the weeds and I received uh, a comment on um, one of my platforms this week where at least he was listening he said you know i hated that song so much wanted no me, way. wanted it made me want to throw my phone in the mississippi oh my god yeah and i'm like dude you listened from mississippi yeah. you're like, like awesome awesome. <laughs> awesome thank you for listening yeah well it's something to be said for being able to uh perform your own intro song your stuff on Instagram before was video. Um, will this remain an audio podcast? We have the video. Mm -hmm. We've saved the video um, to repurpose at a later time. Um, but for now, for now, it's audio. For now, yeah. it's audio. Video is another layer of work involved. I, I started doing video in 2020. I was like, this is the year of video. And then by, by the end of the year, I was like, man, I can't keep up. I don't have enough time to edit video. It's hard. It's, it's not easy. I, I think there is a unique angle to what it is that we're doing, um, which is the round table. Mm -hmm. So I started off the first episode was a chef's round table. This Friday, I'm recording a athletes and cannabis round table. Um, so, you know, just trying to bring in some, some really some, without having to record different ones or mm -hmm. multiple podcasts, trying to bring in different perspectives or differing perspectives in the same show. So yeah. it's fun. Tremendous learning curve for sure. Your podcast in the weeds is now out. Um, I should also mention that you co-authored four books. Working on my sixth. Oh, five books working on your sixth. Yes. Is there anything else that we missed? You know what? For me, it's always about people. It's, it's not about me. I mean, you know, I have done some great things, but where I am in my life now is giving back. So philanthropy is a huge, you know, pillar that my brand is built upon. I sit on the board of directors now for a, a Jewish Family and Child Services, which is one of the largest youth agencies, you know, it, well, in the GTA. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, I was in the system when I was in grade 11. I went to a school, you know, for kids that couldn't make it in the mainstream school system. That's the stuff that really makes me proud. So I would say the only thing that's really important to convey is if you suffer with, with an autoimmune disease or, you know, you're having trouble with cooking with cannabis, I am always accessible to anyone who reaches out. I say it often, people take me up on it and they're actually shocked that I get back to them. So if I can ever help or bring value to someone's life, I'm here. Okay, so you've got a website under your name, right? JordanWagman.com. Yes, JordanWagman.com. Twitter, you are Wagman Jordan backwards. You got it. And what yep. about Instagram? Instagram is Chef Jordan Wagman and Chef Jordan at JordanWagman.com. But if you're on any social platform, you can always find me. Nice. So, and I'm always happy to help you. 
And I want to let you know, this is my 200th podcast. You are the Congratulations. man. Congratulations. So thank Congratulations. you for doing it with me. No, thank you. You're listen, you're a rock star. You are. Huh. You're very good at you're very good at what you do. I've I've been listening for some time and you're amazing. I appreciate it. And I love the work that you do too, man. So uh, now you. that we've spoken, we're officially friends. So nice to meet you. Indeed. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you in the future. Me as well. Thank you for having me. Okay, brother. Take care. Thanks to Jordan for telling us his stories and giving us some of his perspective. Shout out to Jess Moran once again for setting that one up as well. And as you may have heard, this podcast was my 200th. Woohoo! So if you're still tuning in, thank you. And it's always an honor producing these conversations for you. The podcast has no doubt gone through a few name changes and format changes over the years. I'm always trying to refine what I do and, of course, offer you a better product every time. So thanks for your support, and I look forward to publishing the next 200. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Insiders Podcast. We do our very best to be as accurate as possible, but take no responsibility for inaccurate details or facts. If a topic interests you, we're happy to have brought it to your attention, but please take the time to research the details for yourself. To find out more about Insiders Podcast and all of the work that we do, check out distinctmedia.ca.